Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Cat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the finfanatic.com website and the fan-sided network. The Dolphins play the Ravens here this Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore, noon central, one Eastern. Ravens, Ravens right now are favored by three and a half, over under 44 and a half. We're lucky to be joined here by Kevin Ostriker from the Locked on Ravens podcast. So think of him as the uh, Kyle Krabs of the Ravens community. I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment to Kyle or Kevin, but uh, I'll let them uh, fight over that. Uh, but we're thankful to have them. Have you here today, Kevin? Uh, how's it going tonight? It's going well. I appreciate you having me, Brian. I- I'm happy to join you and talk about this game, which I think is going to be a good one. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Ravens went 24 to nine here over the Jets this past week. Um, you know, rough, rough ending to last season. A lot of injuries. Lamar Jackson loses a few games uh, there at the end. But uh, even though the Dolphins won two last or, or won last year against the Ravens, the last two times the Dolphins have traveled to Baltimore, uh, the Ravens have won 78 to six uh, in the last two item, outings in 2016 and 2017. But to start off, before we get into, you know, the main points of the game here on the injury front, we, you know, looking at some of these major players for the Ravens here, and we're, we're recording this on Thursday evening. So uh, we'll, we'll post it later on, but as of right now, JK Dobbins, Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Peters, really big names there. Um, what's the latest on them? And, and do you expect them to, to suit up this weekend? Yeah, so for Dobbins, he participated on Thursday in his second consecutive full practice. So looking good for him to return from the injury he suffered in that final preseason game of 2021 that tore an ACL. Peters, he also tore his ACL right before the year started. He logged his first full session, so that's a very good sign, someone that the Ravens actually might need because their secondary already is being hit with a ton of injuries. And if they get Peters back, you know, and same thing with Dobbins, who knows? how full their snap counts will be probably not hundred percent. Cause you want to ease them back into action, but just getting them back on the field. They're so talented. And then for Ronnie Stanley, he did not practice on Thursday after logging a limited session on Wednesday. And it's all part of the ramp up process for him. He just got off the PUP list a couple weeks ago. So they're probably taking the same approach as they are here for Dobbins and, and Peters with Stanley. It's just a little further pushed back. So I wouldn't expect to see him this weekend. You, you never know. But I think for me, it seems like Peters and Dobbins might be playing in this one, while Stanley seems a bit more unlikely. Certainly. And uh, his backup, Juwan James, who Dolphins fans are familiar with, he's out for the season as well. The guy just can't catch a break. It's been four years now where he can, he, he's only played a handful of games. Um, so with him out as the backup, it looks like uh, Patrick McCarry is going to be that left tackle. I know he's had some interior offensive line experience. Um, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, so he's someone who can play 
every position on the line and he will be the one if Stanley can't go to suit up at the left tackle position primarily has played the center position for the Ravens but played the majority of last year at the right tackle position when the Ravens had to shuffle their offensive line around he played pretty well there now injuries kind of got to him at the end of the year he was in and out of the lineup a lot but he he was a tackle in college and I think that he can play that position well enough now Stanley's the key that unlocks this offensive line at the end of the day but until he comes back and until he's healthy, you want to have the best possible option out there from the backups. And right now, that is 100% Pesh McCary. And I think for what he brings, it's interesting because I think when you're talking about how the Ravens handle, well, it's not how the whole Stanley situation unfolded last year, probably came back a bit too early. And him being out there didn't help the Ravens because he didn't play well, it didn't help Stanley because obviously he didn't feel right out for the second surgery. And so he's played in one game in about one and a half seasons. So you want to have him as close to hundred percent as you can get him, have him feeling confident on that ankle. So I'd feel confident putting out McCary in this game here against Miami and hoping that Stanley's ready by week three or four, when I think the timeline would be right, right around that new England or Buffalo game for Baltimore. And McCary should go up against Jalen Phillips at the defensive end spot. That'll be certainly a battle uh, worth watching as the game progresses, but Obviously, the major bullet point of the game, Lamar Jackson, three touchdowns last week against the Jets, three of them over the top, two to Devin Duvernay, one to Rashad Bateman, certainly opened things up. Um, last year, a game in Miami, they the Ravens lose 22 to 10 and only win one game the rest of the year after that, I believe. They really derailed their season along with all the injuries that they had. And obviously, it's fresh in the minds of the Baltimore Ravens, too. I mean, that cover zero game where Javon Holland blitzed 21 times from the safety spot. Brandon Jones blitzes 17 times. They had a complete strategy with that cover zero to just not only blitz and disrupt the timing of the pass, but also cut off Lamar Jackson's running lanes completely to the inside and outside. Now, that's been a question all week, and it, it – it certainly hasn't escaped their mind. I'm curious, how do you think the Ravens are going to approach this coming out of the gate against the Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, they have to be prepared for it. If it happens again, there's really no excuse. And Lamar Jackson kind of talked about it a bit this week where he said, why, why was Miami so effective against you guys in 2021? And he said they really just weren't prepared for it. They hadn't really seen, they hadn't really prepared for a team that just went all out like that. And you're right. They did a really, a really good job executing that game plan. If they decide to go full out cover zero again, there are a couple ways I think they might try to combat that one is the short passing game and utilizing screens. I think that's one of the best blitz beaters you can have. And for Baltimore screen passes have been a bit of an issue over the course of the last couple of seasons. So they ran a successful screen against the Jets in week one, and everyone's like, oh, my God, a successful screen. Like, no way this just has. So hopefully they can build off of that. But if you have a bunch of guys at the line, all of them come, you can send blockers into space on the outside against maybe smaller defensive backs that are out there. You can shovel a pass to Kenyon Drake or maybe use some wide receiver screens if you want to. And those are easy ways to pick up chunk yards where you can get maybe four blockers out there against two or three defensive backs and, and do stuff. So then the Dolphins would have to adjust to that. But last week, the Jets did a good job in the first half of limiting both the run and the pass game. Now, the weather was a bit iffy, so the Ravens couldn't do a lot. It was a lot of short passes that weren't really going anywhere. It wasn't really helping anything. So the Jets decided to stack the box. And all of a sudden, the Ravens couldn't run. They couldn't pass. Now, as the, as the game went on, the Ravens also pushed the ball down the field a lot more. You mentioned the two passes to Devin Duvernay. You have the 55-yarder to Rashad Bateman. So I'd expect the Ravens to just make the Dolphins almost like respect their deep passing game 
to worry them about putting so many guys in the box and utilizing play action, I think will also be a big part in that. Certainly. I remember uh, in the, I think the first drive last year, the Thursday night game, there was a, a deep pass over the top to Sammy Watkins and it just kind of went out the back of the end zone. It was so close. And then after that, they didn't go to the deep passing as much. I don't expect that this year or in, in this game here, especially after the success that they had over the top and those taking their shots with, with Duvernay and with Rashad Bateman. And obviously the other guy who is tight end, Mark Andrews, a absolute star, um, last year, 107 catches, 1,361 yards, top three all time for a tight end in both categories. So, I mean, and I'm kind of curious what the strategy is going to be for the Dolphins in this game. If, if they focus, if they focus more on the over the top and Lamar Jackson's legs and try to shut down those two and from that point, if, if they're focused on those two things, that's when Mark Andrews is going to have a big game. Yeah, and the way that the Ravens have kind of built their offense in the offseason, they want to utilize these two tight end, three tight end packages. They trade away Marquise Brown. They don't replace him in the draft. The only thing they really do to re- replace him is sign to Marcus Robinson pretty late in the offseason. They draft two tight ends instead, and Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler. They have Nick Boyle, who didn't play in week one. I I hope he plays in week two because he's a big he's a big part of their run game, what, what he's able to do there. But the Ravens have missed Hayden Hurst and the element that he brought for a while now, that that third tight end that can do a lot in the offense and be a threat. I think Isaiah likely has a phenomenal chance to be that player for them. You know, he, almost somebody who you can say can block a little bit and also can pass catch a little bit. Likely is far better as a pass catcher now, but hopefully as the season goes on, he'll be able to utilize his blocking a little bit. But yeah, I think for, for Andrews, he is someone who just sucks up attention from defenses. And I think that provides one-on-one opportunities for guys like Rashad Bateman and guys like Devin Duvernay. So I would anticipate the Dolphins seeing what they can do to take away Andrews and saying, hey, let's see if these young receivers can beat us. And then like the Jets saw, the young receivers were beating them. So they kind of let up attention off of Andrews. Devin Duvernay has the two touchdowns, Bateman, et cetera. So then as the game went on, Andrews saw some first down catches and ended up finishing the game, leading the team in receptions with five. So I think that's what we're probably going to see the Dolphins utilize, just to try to take away what is the Ravens' best pass catcher in Mark Andrews and dare these young receivers to beat him. Certainly great, great breakdown there. And before we get on to the defensive side of the ball, Kevin, uh, a player that Dolphins fans had their eye on before the Tyreek Hill trade in the draft was uh, center Tyler Linderbaum uh, from Iowa. Uh, he looked like a perfect fit for what the Dolphins wanted to do in the zone blocking scheme. How's he doing so far in Baltimore? Yeah, so far it's been a little, I'd say incomplete. First game was a mixed bag for sure. He missed most of the pre or yeah, most of the preseason with a foot injury, got his foot rolled up on in practice and only was able to play some snaps in the final preseason game. Going up against Quinn and Williams was definitely a challenge for him. He is someone who gets out in space so well and kind of uses his agility and athleticism to his advantage, but his size is something that against these bigger defensive linemen one-on-one can cause some issues. And we did see that a couple of times he got beat badly by Quinton Williams, but to his credit, I don't want to wash away the good. He did have a couple of really nice plays on him. So I think is, is a learning experience for him in the first game going up against a player like Quinton Williams prepares him for a game like this against Miami where I think 
we're going to see a lot of blitzes. He's going to, this is going to be a lot for a center to be able to ID who's coming, who's at the line. It's almost stuff like what the Ravens do where they'll send everybody to the line and the center will have to ID and the quarterback will have to ID. Well, are they all going to come or is all of them going to drop back except for three or four? So Linderbaum, I think has been, all things considered pretty good. Now you'd maybe like to see a bit more out of him out of the first game, but I'm going to give him, I'm going to let it slide a little bit because it was his first game as a rookie after not having the preseason. So kind of shaking the, the rust off, even though he's a rookie, but I think right. as the season goes on, we will see the improvements, but there will be matchups that I think just won't go his way because of the size, but I'm not going to knock a player completely because of the size. He, he's a skilled center. And I think he's going to be that for a long time. You bet. And uh, rounding out the Ravens offensive line, two of the more underappreciated players in the league, right guard Kevin Zeitler and Morgan Moses, a right tackle on the wrong side of 30, but still have a, have another good year, two, three years left in them. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, moving there, the Ravens, they parted ways with, uh, with Don Martindale in the offseason. They brought in uh, Michigan's defensive coordinator here, Mike McDonald, who is uh, also with the Ravens before that, he was a linebacker coach. He was a defensive backs coach with them before that, as you know, you know, what is, would you say the biggest, I know it's only been one game, but what's the biggest, what are the biggest differences between the two schemes that you've seen so far? Well, I think McDonald's someone who with Martindale, you saw so many pressures. And I think when he went away, it was the, oh, the, oh, the Ravens are going to blitz, but McDonald actually installed some pressures from Martindale over his time in Baltimore. So the blitzing net is, is not going to go away. And we saw a bunch of different things in terms of the Ravens being able to generate pressure. But the key is under Martindale, the Ravens struggled to generate pressure without blitzing. So when they would send three or send four, they would not be able to get to the quarterback consistently. Now it is only one game. You said it, but against the Jets, they had Joe Flacco running for his life for the majority of that game. And they didn't have to blitz to do it. They did blitz and they were successful at doing that. But personnel wise, it has helped McDonald to have players like Michael Pierce. So, you know, if you want to go the one for one trade off with Brandon Williams, Williams is more of a two down player at this stage in his career. Pierce can still provide you a little bit on the interior as a pass rusher. Justin Matabike, third-year breakout player, in my opinion. I mean, again, only been one game, but I, I pegged him as someone who could have a big season. He was all over the field, and I think it's a credit to McDonald, to Anthony Weaver, the Ravens defensive line coach. I think what we're going to see is with the personnel they have now, they can utilize so many different things because they brought in a player like Marcus Williams who can play in that single high, and they haven't really had that since – Earl Thomas on the field in 2019. I mean, with, with all the stuff that happened off the field with him on the field, he had a really, really good year for them in 2019. So they've been missing that single high presence who just causes, I guess, fear or at least hesitancy when you're talking about throwing it deep. So they yeah. have a lot of things in Mike McDonald's disposal to use. And I think they provided him with that. Now it's up to him. And I think early returns is that in his defense, you don't necessarily have to live by the blitz, die by the blitz like you saw with with martindale quite a bit but he's still going to utilize pressure and i think that's really important for a defense that loves versatility and loves confusing quarterbacks to blind swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check don't forget to pack the five hour energy it fits great in a pocket or carry-on and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything now get 20 percent off when you use code 5he travel at 5hourenergy.com Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Certainly. I mean, they've got really good fits for that three-man front uh, in, in Baltimore when they choose to, to use that. Matt Abuike, like you talked about, third-round pick from Texas A&M a couple of years ago and has been kind of in that backup role. Michael Pierce was, I believe, with Minnesota for a year and now is back with Baltimore, if I've got that correct. Calais Campbell in his, I believe, 16th year now. It's no how long he's played. Um, he was in the Jake Long, Chad Henney 20, or 2008 draft class. So he's somebody that's never going to go away, still, still playing at a high level. So, yeah, I saw that as well last week against Joe Flacco, like you alluded to, um, 11 quarterback hits, five sacks, and it could have been seven. Two were actually called back on defensive holding calls. So, I mean, they, they got to the quarterback, and I didn't see a whole heck of a lot of blitzing um, uh, like, like, like we talked about here. But it, it's, it sounds like the Ravens are able <clears> – it seems like this defense is, is flexible enough to – where if, if they're not getting to the quarterback, they're obviously going to dial it up and start start sending people. And it's, it's the difference because when you talked about Martindale's defense, there were multiple times last year where it almost or did cost them games because they blitzed so much. I, I, I can talk about the Raiders game in week one where they went to overtime in that game. And in overtime, it was blitz after blitz, after, you know, cover zero, cover zero, cover zero. And it, it wasn't working. And Don Martindale kept doing it almost every single play. And then the play that ends the game is the Zay Jones deep touchdown where they send everyone and, and Zay Jones beats Marlon Humphrey yeah. against Chicago fourth. in, I believe it was, I can't remember what yard, what yard, the yardage was, but a fourth down, it might've been two. And Don Martindale sends everyone leaves Chris Westry one-on-one in coverage with Darno Mooney. I believe it was. And Darno Mooney beats him so badly on a double move, but there's no safety up over the top because the safety's blitzing and the, and the bears ended up taking the lead. Now the Ravens did win that game, but I think with the blitzing aspect, it's something that John Harbaugh, he said, you know, you go to the well one too many times and it burns you or something like that. So that, that was kind of like, Ooh, maybe something's going to change here. And, and it did. And I think McDonald, the youngest defensive coordinator in this league, Colin plays. I think he did a great job in his first game. And I think it is almost refreshing to see, you know, and not to say Don Martin knows a bad defensive coordinator because he's not, but I think he, he is very blitz heavy and he's, he's going to stay that way that he's true to what he believes in. And that's fine. But I think the Ravens maybe just uh, difference of opinion in, in just how the defense should have looked. And I think McDonald's the right man for the job. Well, it's a, it's a talented secondary and, you know, regardless of what happened last year, I mean, the results certainly weren't good defensively, as you know, I mean, bottom seven and in, in yards, uh, passing yards, quarterback rating, sacks, turnovers. That's not Ravens football that we've known defensively for, for over the last couple of years. So something was certainly going wrong over there, but now you look at the, the secondary and I mean, just at least to start the year, absolutely stocked. I mean, Marlon Humphrey an all pro at one spot. You had Marcus Peters at the other. I know he's a little up in the air, but probably going to play uh, in this one. Kyle Filler goes down last week with the torn ACL. He's kind of, he and Juwan James can't, just can't catch breaks and stay on the field. Um, Brandon Stevens, um, the nickelback. I know he's 
a little bit hobbled this week, but, but probably will play. Uh, if he does, would you expect him to slide into that nicker role if he's not there already? Yeah, I, I think he's going to get an uptick and he's going to be one of those players, assuming he does play, that's going to take on a bigger role. Kyle Fuller being out the Ravens did sign TJ Carey to their practice squad. So maybe he's an elevation if either Stevens or Humphrey, who was added to the injury report with a groin injury on Thursday, if, if either is not able to go. But yeah, last year it was a tale of injuries for the Ravens in that secondary. Yeah, Peter's tearing his ACL, Humphrey tearing his pec late in the season, Deshaun Elliott with, with a torn peck as well so they were dealing with injuries up and down that secondary and that's been the case for many years I mean the saying here and I say it all the time is the Ravens always start the year so stacked in that room with 50 million corners and they end the year with two because they just get decimated with injuries a bunch of times I could I could go back to 2014 in the playoffs they were signing guys off the street to play Tom Brady at Gillette Stadium in the divisional round because it was just so bad injury wise so I think this year the Ravens defense, again, they pride themselves on versatility. Stevens can play a bunch of different roles if he's able to be there. He, his his journey is something interesting. He ended up start doing a couple of years at UCLA as a running back, transferred to SMU and played some corner, so switched over to defense. Then he came into the league. His rookie year played a bunch of safety. The Ravens were looking to play him there, and then has kind of moved back to the corner position in his second season. So very versatile for him. You could also look to players like Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama, rookie Pepe Williams out of Houston, another rookie that they could utilize in different ways. But the secondary last year was, was the weak point of this defense for sure. Baltimore's run defense was outstanding in 2021. It was the secondary that was just hit so hard. So now you have the talent, the safety room, I think is one of the deepest in this league with Marcus Williams, as we've talked about Kyle Hamilton and Chuck Clark. But I think Stevens is very, he's, he's like the, that underrated X factor in this defense. I thought he played well against the Jets on Sunday. And if he's able to play, I think he's going to be a huge part of what they do. Yeah, and to, to your point there, the Ravens dead last in passing yards allowed last year, first in rushing yards allowed. So they've had those big uglies inside for a while. And you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it, it's a cliche to say you you can never have enough blank at this position and you hear that all the time but at defensive back it's really true because you could get yourself into a situation where it's late in the game and you've got Chris Westry lined up against you know a second or third receiver and it's just not a good matchup we see that with you know no Benogany when he actually is active on game day so yeah absolutely it's it's going to be a great matchup here and as far as the personnel is concerned, one, one real last question on that too is, you know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, obviously the strength of the Dolphins roster, a wide receiver, you know, with a secondary that's a little bit banged up, you know, if uh, Marcus Peters plays and Marlon Humphrey plays, they're going to be playing hobbled here. What strategy do you see them deploying against Hill and Waddle in the, the Dolphins passing game? Yeah, I think I think it will be on the Ravens to one, just stay disciplined. I mean, Marcus Williams is going to be a player to just provide help over the top, which you're going to need in this game against those two. But I think forcing Tua to get the ball out early is probably going to be their best defense against this. And whether that is by blitzing, I mean, I think Baltimore's defense in the game in 2021, they actually played really well. It was the Dolphins defense that stifled the Ravens offense. And I think it was the Ravens defense didn't allow a touchdown until about a minute or two minutes to go in the fourth quarter because the Dolphins had that defensive touchdown and, and there were a couple of other issues the Ravens offense had. So I think for the Ravens, if they can confuse two at the line, get the ball out quickly, and this might turn into a blitz fest on both sides. Who knows? We, we might see it on both sides, which is very, it's a very plausible outcome, I think, with the talent that both teams have and just the masterminds that I think both these coaching staffs have and just 
how they game plan for this. Baltimore has watched a lot of tape of this game. They understand just how much of a big factor it was in, oh, we've never seen something like this before. And again, I talked about how Lamar Jackson talked about it. So I think if the Ravens want to combat the speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I think they're going to have to force the ball into somebody else's hands. And that's easier said than done, obviously. It's very hard to keep the ball out of those guys' hands. But if you can limit the 20-plus passes by blitzing to one, forcing them to get the ball out early and force the Dolphins, it's it's like the bend-don't-break defense we've talked about here in Baltimore before, sure. where between the 20s, you know, they'll, they'll give up some stuff because they don't want to allow the big play, 35, 40 yards. But then they tighten up around the 30 20 yard line and force field goals if you can force field goals every possession instead of touchdowns with the offense the Ravens have and hopefully will have in this game against Miami I think that is a much better strategy than maybe risking it and have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle burn you for a couple 40 yard plays they could easily turn into touchdowns with their speed and electricity certainly and uh, if Lamar Jackson catches on fire here in this game I think the Dolphins are going to be thinking that same way bend but don't break and let's try to win a close game here so Kevin Ostriker joining us here from the Locked on Ravens podcast. And Kevin, before we let you go here, your prediction, your score prediction on the game. Yeah, I think this will be a close one. I think these two teams definitely have a chance to meet again in January. I think that both in a very talented AFC have built their rosters in a way that they could easily both make the playoffs and we could see another matchup. I'm going to go in any close game. I go with the Justin Tucker effect because that's just who Justin Tucker is. Not saying that offense don't have a good kicker of their own over there because they do. But I think this is a 23 to 21 Ravens win where I just think Baltimore has put so much emphasis on this game and they put emphasis on every game. Don't get me wrong, but this one just feels like they want to right the wrongs that happened in 2021, because I think people do forget that despite the injuries and, and they obviously went through it the entire year last year, it wasn't just, you know, it stopped against Miami but they were eight and three through 12 weeks and they were the number one seed in the AFC somehow through 12 weeks. And I think that that run was impressive. They have a talented roster. So does Miami, but I'm going to put it on the leg of Justin Tucker and say 23, 21. And not just the injuries, but they had, I remember them having a brutal schedule down the stretch last year too. So there was the injuries. There was the brutal schedule explains why they, they finished the way that they did. Um, Yeah. So 44 points. You're barely at the under of 44 and a half there. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with the over in this. And the way I see the game going, the dolphins coming out and, and really testing Lamar Jackson and try to resume what they were doing before. A lot of cover zero, a lot of stack in the box. And I think Lamar Jackson's going to be up to the challenge. I see him getting out to a two touchdown lead early in the game. Dolphins adjust, they fight back and it becomes a good game. I'm going to give this to the Ravens 26 to 23. Uh, I see a few more points scored, but yeah, we're, we're both on the same page. And if for nothing else, for the way the last two games have gone in Baltimore, I at least want to just see a close game for Christ's sakes. The Dolphins win, but a close game. I mean, gosh, 41 to nothing and whatever the other score was. And that's not even counting in Miami 59 to 10 a couple years ago. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, but um Thanks for joining us here. We really appreciate it. And you can, where else can we find you other than the uh, Locked on Ravens podcast? Yeah, th- this was great. Thanks so much for having me. You, you can find me on Twitter at chaosstricker 34 if you want to keep up with uh, Ravens news updates analysis. I do host a Locked on Ravens podcast. So we're, we're doing some Ravens Dolphins previews over there for the game. If you want some Ravens Dolphins analysis, you can find me over there. Anywhere you get your podcasts, also on YouTube. And also I do write for the Ravens where I'm the managing editor over there. So 
seven days a week, I write about the Ravens. So very Ravens centric over here. But again, thanks so much. This, this was really fun. Absolutely. And uh, be sure to join uh, to, to see the episode on the Locked On Dolphins and Ravens podcast with Kyle Krabs. It's a great segment there. That's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Ravens game. You can find Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.